I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning, y'all. Morning. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> it's all good. So, on this very particular Sunday, we all have something in common with the disciples. Because the walk toward the cross and the joy and awe of resurrection have all happened this past week. And we had beautiful services in an incredible space. But this Sunday, we find ourselves um, somewhere else, in a different space. Not our beloved nave, but a transitional place where we must wait for work to be finished. And don't get me wrong, it's a blessing to have this space. But it's not quite what we're used to. And we've certainly had practice moving around. After all, we spent two years worshiping in a covered parking lot, so compared to that, this isn't so bad. But it's a big change from last week, and it's a little awkward. It's fine. Don't worry. We've got plenty of time to get used to it. So the disciples have also found themselves in a different place, behind locked doors, trying to hide from authorities and figure out exactly what happened and what they're supposed to do next. Gone are the days when they walked freely with Jesus, preaching and healing and proclaiming the good news about God's work in the world. Now, Jesus has been killed, and Mary said she saw him alive and well in the garden by the tomb. So it's a lot to sift through, and they need a place to hide away and think about what's next. They're all wondering what really happened, and then Jesus appears to them and says, Peace be with you. And they see the marks of the cross on his body. The disciples now know that not only have things changed, but they will never be the same. And poor Thomas, he missed it. He missed the action in the room, the proclamation, the receiving of the Holy Spirit. He missed seeing Jesus. Can you imagine how that would make you feel? Yes, your friends all told you what happened, but you missed seeing your beloved, the one whom you gave your life to follow. Thomas endures all of this visceral disappointment, and to add insult to injury, he gets stuck with the name Doubting Thomas. I've never liked that label, Doubting Thomas. After all, Thomas wasn't necessarily doubting the story of the other disciples. He just wanted to have the same experience they had. He too wanted to see the risen Christ. He wanted access to the same joy and astonishment of his friends. The Thomas story is not necessarily about doubt. It's about asking to have access to God in real and tangible ways. Thomas wanted to share in the joy of the risen Christ. He wanted to know that the suffering on the cross would not stop God's work in the world. That Christ's wounds were no longer marks of death, but of salvation. And Thomas was willing to do the work of believing you see, the world around the disciples thought that Jesus had been defeated and humiliated and justly killed. And Thomas wanted to confirm that death wasn't just another locked door. Thomas wasn't a coward. He could have let his questions linger and just gone with what his friends said to him about their own experience. But Thomas wanted to see 
God. And when he finally got his chance, he didn't hold back. He didn't just look. He touched. He put his hands in the wounds of Christ. He took every advantage of the moment God offered him. So if you've been inclined to think of Thomas as weak, bend your mind to reconstruct that weakness into courage and the doubt into wonder. Because there is a real fear of death in that room, and Thomas begged to see life. That first Easter week was a mixture of fear and expectation and confusion and astounding joy. It was practical and miraculous. The disciples kept their doors locked for fear of repercussions from religious leaders, but God stepped through their human fears and locked doors and repeatedly offered these simple and comforting words, peace be with you. That shalom was a familiar greeting, one that was filled with the expectation of a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that infiltrated into the deepest parts of their fears and yearned to show them another way. Jesus came not to give them the chance to believe, but to give them more work to do. The breath of the Holy Spirit was not meant just to be a comfort, but a mandate to unlock the doors and begin the holy work of God, to forgive sins and spread the love of a living God, not a wounded ghost. This active peace mingled with the breath of the Spirit was meant to push the disciples out of that room and back into the world. Jesus showed his followers that God's peace is not passive, but a commandment of love, one that is to be shared with generosity and joy and not stored up behind fear and locked doors. We know that the path of peace is not an easy one, and perhaps Thomas understood that the road ahead was paved with difficulty, and he wanted the assurance of God's presence with him on the journey. But before this new journey of a resurrected faith began, Thomas needed something tangible, some direct way to access God and believe that life could triumph over death. And I can't judge him for that, for wanting visible access to God. After all, why are we all here right now in this parish hall? Why do we gather together to pray the same words and eat the same bread drink the same wine week after week because we're just as human as Thomas and we need access to God something we can say and touch and remind us that there's a living God in this death obsessed world God is not just some unseen force and the church is not just a building that's supposed to symbolize the invisible presence of God The church is a real, live, breathing community of loving and flawed people who come together every week and say that we believe that the human story and the divine story are intertwined. That you can taste it in the bread and wine and feel it when you embrace a friend and pass God's peace. When Thomas reached out and touched the wounds of Christ, he wasn't showing us how to doubt. He was showing us how to believe. This story could have been completely different. Jesus could have simply not returned to Thomas, or he could have returned and admonished him and refused what was asked. 
But that's not what happened. Jesus showed up and gave Thomas the chance to believe. One of my favorite depictions of this scene is by the Italian artist Caravaggio, and the painting shows Jesus like guiding Thomas's hands into the wound on his side. But the best part, what it also shows, is that there are two other disciples, some say it's Peter and John, peering over to see for themselves. And I love this because it makes clear that it wasn't just Thomas who wanted to see this. We all would like to look and see the reality of faith right in front of us. It's human nature. When Thomas touched the wounds of Christ, he encountered real human pain coupled with the belief that these wounds were not the whole story, that they were tangible symbols, not of weakness, but of God's triumph over death. We may not ever get to meet Jesus in the way that Thomas did. We may not be able to reach out and touch the wounds of Christ, but we can still have access to a living God. We can eat the bread, drink the wine, and greet each other with God's dynamic peace. We can take these tangible symbols and leave here knowing that the wounds of the world are no match for God's love. Amen.